What's up, guys? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I created a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. So if you have a new idea, project, or business that you're working on and you're feeling a little bit stuck, I'd love to help you or connect you with somebody that can. One of the biggest projects in the quarantine right now are probably people's dating lives because they don't know what the hell, if they can go out on dates or how to do this virtual world. And to solve that issue, we brought on Miss Elsa Marek. And she's a dating and relationship coach, which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring her on is, okay, Aaron and I are married right now. And obviously I'm not dating, she's not dating. So we're living in this bubble, but there's a whole bunch of people out there that are probably struggling not only to live on their own and be quarantined by themselves, but the fact that they can't go out and socialize with friends, what does that leave the options up to? So I'd love to kick off and kind of introduce the question of what the hell are single people doing right now, Elsa? (laughs) I love that question. So I think there's a lot of answers for that question, but for the most part, single people are doing what they can virtually to keep their love life alive. It kind of seems like people are naturally divided into two schools of thought. One school of thought being that this is the best thing that ever happened to dating because People are finally slowing down and getting to know each other before they jump into the physical. And then the other school of thought being like, this is the, one of the worst things that's ever happened because it takes so much longer now to actually meet in person. And it can be kind of disappointing to build up a connection with someone online only to find out that there's not a lot of chemistry in person. So it's been really interesting, like watching people kind of bounce through both. But in short, single people are still very much dating. <laughs> That's awesome. So I wouldn't expect any less. Um, and what are, what are some of the things people are doing right now? Cause you said they're using digital and virtual to kind of understand each other better rather than obviously jumping into the physical. So what are some of the things that you're seeing people do to take steps towards learning more about each other? I'm seeing a lot of virtual dates, a lot of FaceTime and zoom dates. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people play games while they're both in their respective homes. So that's kind of cool because people are building that emotional connection up front. Hinge has added a video feature. So now you can put on your profile that you're open to having a video date, which is really cool as well. So dating apps are definitely catching up to the times and acting accordingly. Um, Usage has gone up a lot on all dating apps, especially Hinge and Bumble, which makes a lot of sense. There's also a lot more dates happening in nature. So paddleboarding has kind of become a trend. Paddleboard dates and walk dates, both are kind of easier to maintain distance. So those are the trends that I'm seeing so far on and offline, but definitely usage of dating apps has gone up. Yeah, which is to be expected. We're all on our phones more and on the digital world more. Now, I love how you talked about how like that can be a pro and a con for different people. So you just talked about what are the trending habits and what people are doing to learn more about each other. What do you think are the problems it's creating right now? I think one of the biggest problems, and I've fallen victim to this in the past as well, is that you can really build up a persona of a person that has a lot of holes in it. So like if you have someone on Hinge that you've matched with, 
and your, your conversation's going really well, and then you have a video day, and then you have them on Instagram, you think you're getting the full picture of that person, but you're only getting what they want you to see. Let's be real. I mean, that's like, that is our online image. It's what we project to the world. And in a lot of ways, it is authentic, but there's still an entire person behind the screen that you haven't met yet. So the problem is that you could very easily fall in love with a persona and not a person. And then when you actually meet them in real life, you're like, oh, like they're actually kind of awkward with their mannerisms and, oh, their body physique isn't really what I was expecting. They don't really smell the way I thought they would. And I know these sound maybe like shallow things, but attraction is very complex and you really can't get the full picture of whether or not you're going to be attracted to someone until you see them in real life in 3D. So I would just caution like for anyone listening, like if you are dating a lot more online now, just be mindful of the fact that just manage your expectations and be mindful of the fact that when you meet in person, your expectations might be shattered in a great way or in a not so great way. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love what you just said there about managing expectations. Not only, I feel like that applies to not only like the dating life, but even in, in my scenario of being married, communicating and managing each other's expectations of time and what we want from each other and how we act is one of the biggest things. And that's where I guess in the virtual world, what you're describing is it's very tough to kind of manage the expectations of someone else, because especially if you see that this person's interested in you when you're in real life, like you can kind of feel that, like you can feel the attraction versus like virtual, like how do you, how do you feel that through a screen? So it is certainly interesting times and we'll, we'll dive even further into it, but I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself as a coach. How did you even get into the world of becoming a relationship coach? So if you could just run us through kind of maybe where you grew up and how you got to Austin, Texas and became a relationship and dating coach. Totally. So my parents are both Lebanese and I was raised very traditionally Lebanese, even though I didn't really grow up in Lebanon. I was born in Indianapolis and then shortly after, we moved to Columbus, Georgia. And then after that, we went to Lebanon for about two years. And then we moved to Japan. And then I spent the rest of middle school and all of high school in Japan. And then I graduated high school in Japan, moved to Lebanon for university, and then to the U.S. after I graduated university. So I've been all over. And in between all that, there's a small hiatus that I spent in Europe. And because of that, I have seen a lot of different cultures and it was really confusing for me growing up, like understanding my role as a woman, because I, again, grew up very traditionally Lebanese, but I was always in American environments and international environments. So I received a lot of mixed messaging around like what I should be looking for out of a romantic relationship. If you know anything about Middle Eastern culture, it's very geared towards marriage. And I know like other cultures and religions are as well, but it's very geared towards marriage and you only really date to get married. So when I started dating, which was like around the age of 16, I had a very different approach than most of my peers. I wasn't really just like dating to have fun. I was like dating with this mindset that this needs to end up somewhere. And that kind of continued on throughout my years. I started rebelling against it and asking questions in my early 20s because I was like, this 
this can't be why I'm dating. Like I can't just assume that I'm going to get married to every person I date. And it was just reality doesn't always match what you've been told growing up. So the reality was everyone was dating very casually. And I was like coming into it with this expectation that everything was supposed to lead to marriage. And there was a clash. So when I graduated university and I moved to Texas, you know, went to Europe for a while and eventually ended up in Austin. I again was confronted with a very different reality than what I was expecting. I was going out expecting that like men just kind of knew that, you know, marriage was in the timeline. And I started learning that you actually have to ask and you actually have to find out what people's values are because not every guy wants to get married and not every guy wants to have a family. And times, in fact, have changed a lot. So I was at the time becoming certified as a life coach. I was 24. 25. And I was just confronting a lot of dissonance in my world between what I'd grown up learning and what was actually in front of me. And so as I was becoming a life coach, and I was going through this intensive training that was creating a lot of opportunities for self-reflection and introspection, I started asking some very important questions to myself. And I started realizing that in my own dating life, I felt very paralyzed. And a lot of girls around me felt the same way. It seemed like that conversation took up most of the time that I spent with friends. And it is because like relationships, as you know, are such a big part of life. And the relationship that you share with your partner is the most intimate relationship that you have other than the one that you share with your parents. Like that's the only other relationship that you really ever get that vulnerable with. And so um, I became really interested in how dating has evolved over time um, and how people are responding to it. And I decided to turn it into my career. I was already a life coach and there's a lot of overlap between dating and life. I mean, it's a big part of life. And yeah, that brings us to today. I made that decision a year ago. Exactly. It was May of 2019. I was in San Francisco and I was going through my blogs. I've kept a blog for like four or five years now. I realized that 80% of my blog posts were about relationships and dating I realized that most of my conversations over time have been about dating with people. I'm always the go-to person for everyone when it comes to that part of their life. So I decided to turn it into my career. That's awesome. So you, you started off with life coaching. I'd love to dig a little bit into what inspired you to kind of go that path in the first place, because I think a lot of people listening out there are trying to figure out what is their thing, quote unquote. And like for me, for instance, I started off in entrepreneurship, helping people with their health and wellness. And I was a personal trainer on the side of my full-time gig, but that wasn't necessarily my thing. I love business and the whole world of entrepreneurship and helping other businesses, but I used that as a stepping stone to get to where I'm at today. So for you, I'd love to kind of have you run through what piqued your interest of life coaching and also life coaching can take on so many forms what were you thinking of in terms of Elsa as the life coach? Yeah. So when I was in college, I wanted to study psychology, but my parents were not very stoked about it. <laughs> my mom's a physician and my dad's an engineer. And they were just like, psychology? Really? Like out of everything you could study, <laughs> that probably isn't going to have a great future. Um, obviously they were misled and I love them to death, but they're still pretty old school when it comes to a lot of things like that. Um, maybe not as much anymore because I was like the practice child. I was the first child. So they've gotten a lot of practice, 
But in any case, I studied marketing mostly because it made sense to them. And I minored in psychology. And what ended up happening was I didn't really give a shit about any of my marketing courses. I still did really well, but I was being taught by very monotonous teachers and they were teaching us things about marketing that are completely outdated. None of it is applicable today. Very little of it, I'll say, is applicable today. But in my psychology courses, I was always stunned. Like I was just completely in love with everything I was learning. And I always found myself, and the way you know you love a subject is you don't just do your homework, you like go above and beyond and research it even more. So that's what would happen. Like I would do what I needed to do for my homework, and then I would always go down these rabbit holes and read ahead and just do things that weren't even asked of me because I was so fascinated. And what I really wanted when I graduated was to become a therapist. And I was talking to a friend one day in Lebanon, and I told him that's what I was planning to do. And then he was like, well, have you ever thought about life coaching? Like I, I could see you doing that instead. And he told me that his sister-in-law was a life coach and she was really successful. She lived in Houston. He was like, much like you, she has a very interesting story. She's lived in a lot of countries and she loves what she does. And that was the first time I had ever even heard of the term. And that was like back in 2013, 2014. So he planted a seed and I didn't come back to that seed until like three years later. But yeah, the more I learned about coaching, the more I learned about how it's different than therapy. Therapy is amazing and it has its purposes, but coaching is a lot more dynamic and there's a lot more freedom in terms of like how you work with people. And that can be both a very dangerous thing and also a very amazing thing, depending on your integrity as a coach and the type of training that you put yourself through. But yeah, that's how I got into life coaching. And luckily, I am so crazy how life happens, but like the moment that I actually set out to become a life coach, one of my really good friends in college uh, who I met in Lebanon moved to Austin for like a temporary assignment. She moves around all the time, but she ended up in Austin and she's a life coach and she's the one who told me she recommended that I get proper training um, through the ICF, which is the International Coach Federation. And it's currently the only organization worldwide that's regulating coaching. So that was heaven sent because you can become a life coach without training and you can still be an awesome life coach. But I think that that training was really useful for me because it helped me do my own introspection and it helped me really become clear as to why I even want to like help people in this realm. That brings up a huge psychological point of a lot of times it's not necessarily what you know, it's, it's who you know. And for your parents, I'm the first child as well. So I kind of get that uh, where you're, you were the practice and going into psychology. It's funny. I, I was one class away from minoring in psychology and I went to school for engineering because I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps. And I was more intrigued by psychology and people. And it's crazy because the world we're going towards, the world we're going towards is more obviously automated artificial intelligence. And I, I, I'm a big believer that those that are mastering psychology and mindset are actually going to be the more successful ones in the long run, ex especially as engineers and doctors, they're going to start losing their jobs because we have robots that can do math better than humans. And we have robots that can do blood work for us and analyze results of our human anatomy a lot quicker than a, than a human can. But a, a human is the only person that can feel what another person is, is feeling and, and empathize. And so it's, it's awesome to hear your story going into that. And that's where I'd love to lead a little bit into 
okay, so this transition was definitely not easy, even though you told the story really, really well. What were some of the biggest struggles that you had along this journey to get into life coaching? Yeah, I really appreciate this question because in a lot of interviews that I've done, people kind of gloss over, you know, how you got into what you do and then it's all about what you do. But the how for me was not easy at all. So like, I really appreciate you picking up on that and emphasizing it. What you just said is gold about people not being able to do calculations as good as robots. And what I mean by that is that I grew up for a long time thinking that I was very deficient. I thought I was deficient because my dad's an engineer, my sister's an engineer, my mom's a doctor, my other sister wants to become a doctor. And I just felt like the black swan of the family. Like I just, I felt completely out of place. And I was so confused as to why I was so interested in psychology and art, like in, in poetry and writing, like things that have nothing to do with what the rest of my family is interested in. And as easy as it is to say like, oh, she's just a creative one. I just felt deficient. Like I just was like, I don't have the brain that my sister or my dad do to be an engineer. Therefore, I'm settling by just doing psychology. Now, I completely agree with what you said. That is going to be the future. And it's really interesting to watch it. But the transition was not easy at all. My parents have always been the type of people who expect results. Like they don't really cheer you on until they see the results of what it is that they're cheering you on for. So when I told them I wanted to open my own business and I wanted to become a life coach, they were kind of like, cool. Yeah, we'll uh, believe it when we see it type energy. And that's kind of what motivated me for a long time. It was like trying to prove something and it worked. It definitely worked, but I'm not really sure that that was the best or most positive way to be motivated. Yeah, it's a mind fuck in itself. It's such a mind fuck because you're like working against yourself. You're like, are you actually going to be able to prove to them that this works? And actually, I don't wish that I had an earlier journey, like an easier journey because I probably wouldn't be where I'm at. But a lot of what motivated me was a feeling of deficiency and like a, a need to prove to them first and then to myself that I can actually actualize what I'm saying. I love, I, I could go in so many different ways with this, but I, I love the deficiency side of things and the lack of when we have a pain point or a lack of it causes action. And I relate so hard to, like, I wasn't even a hundred pounds going into high school and we get picked on. I was really good at sports and was good. I was actually good at math. And because I was good at math and sports, I kind of went the way of, okay, well, what's going to give me a good job. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because you, you first went into even your own business, trying to build a business that pleased some other people rather than building a successful business for yourself. And the same thing was in my eyes when, when I was trying to become my own self, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to school to become this person that somebody else values based on my certificates and whatever grades I get versus like, I loved being outside doing things with other people. I love being on teams and that's why I love building communities today. And as soon as I was like, you know what, fuck that. I don't care about what, anybody else thinks about my business. I don't even care if people believe I'm an entrepreneur or not. I'm doing what I wholeheartedly believe in. And I know that other people around me are going to support me. And the reason that I asked you that question more so of the how is because 
I get how hard it is. And I think a lot of people, especially on podcasts, like to show the glitz and the glamour of like what they're doing and all the big things. And I just want to be the beacon of hope that if you're out there listening right now, like you don't have to have it figured out. And you also don't have to live by anybody else's rules, like stick what's in your gut and just continue learning. And it's awesome to have watched you grow over the the past year or two into you're working on that life coaching and then starting to grow your own communities. And then now today you've had to flip it onto the virtual side of things. So I'd love to kind of tell that story of like, okay, you struggled a little bit. Was there a point where it was just like an aha moment for you where going from life coaching to dating coaching and relationship coaching, or was it kind of still a rocky road? It was definitely still a rocky road, but I knew the moment that I made the decision and I shared it with the world that it was the right decision. Like I started getting instant confirmation from, I don't know, the universe, reality, whatever you want to call it. I started getting instant confirmation that it was the right choice because I've always wanted to become an expert at something like I life coaching is amazing. And again, like there's so many different categories that go within that, but I really just wanted to be an expert on a few things that I'm really, really passionate about. And that's really what it is when it comes to dating and relationships. Like I can talk about that all day long and now I do, I get paid for it. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So it's really cool. But it was still a rocky road because when I first became a dating coach, I had to prove myself. Like no one starts out a business with social proof. You have to build that. And so I started out like working with people at very discounted rates, sometimes even for free just to get testimonials. And I mean, I wasn't just doing that for the social proof. I also wanted to watch myself go through the process of helping someone who's been single for a long time and frustrated get into a healthy relationship. Like I was very interested in what that process was going to look like and how I was going to help someone go through that transformation. So do you find it a newfound freedom in the fact that you've like found your thing? Because for me, I, I remember I was trying a bunch of different projects and a bunch of different things that I worked on. And I relate to you so hard because while you were thinking, you're deficient in a way of becoming an engineer and all these other ways. When I got into entrepreneurship, I was like, I feel like I'm deficient because I'm not, I don't want to be an expert. So I'm kind of the opposite. Like I don't want to niche. Everyone's like niche down, niche down. And I'm just like, I don't like that. Like I, I just love learning from other people and having different people on the podcast and having being in different communities. Like it's always been who I was since I was a little kid. And as soon as like I just was like, I'm going to embrace this and Thrive is going to be about everything, like Thrive on life. It's going to be about life. There is no separation of work or relationships or business. It's just all together. And this is what it felt free to me, like more of like a freedom. Have you found that in yourself? Totally. Yeah. I mean, and I think that you are an expert because that is your expertise. You just said it. Like you helping other people thrive in their lives by example and involving yourself in community and creating community is your area of expertise. It may seem a lot more open-ended, but it still is niche down in a big that, way. And that brings, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. and this is why I love conversations like this. Cause you come to not solutions, but like eye-opening things. And for anybody listening, that's a good point of if you're out there and you're still seeking something, don't try to box yourself. Um, because you might be able to come an expert in something that 
nobody even foresaw. And I mean, if you look, and this is the other thing with going back to our parents, like, I mean, growing up, they're just used to what they're used to. They don't know what they don't know. So in our world where you're dating on apps and doing all these things, there's so many problems with that, that you're helping to solve that just didn't exist when our parents were quote unquote dating and in their time. And the same thing in business, it's just like, back in the day, you would write a business plan and that was your first go-to versus today. It's spin up an Instagram, see if you can sell one thing and just build momentum and iterate on that. So let's, let's dive into, you started relationship coaching. I'd love to know what a day in the life looks like for Elsa as a dating and relationship coach. Yeah. So if I'm not creating content, then I'm coaching. And those are two of the things that I do the most. Um, if I'm not doing in terms of all my, all my work days, but a day in the life, let's see, I have a sacred morning routine that I do not pause for anyone or anything. I wake up every day and the first thing I do is I stretch. I write down my dreams because I think that your dreams are a gateway into what's going on in your subconscious. And since that the subconscious mind is the most powerful force in terms of determining your behavior. I really like to understand what the hell is going on there. So I usually write down my dreams. And then right after that, I meditate anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour. And then after that, I do my most daunting task of the day, which is usually creating content. So I'll write whatever I'm planning to share that day, or I'll highlight like a video that I want to create later. But I just get the creative work out of the way. And then after that, if I do have client calls, they don't usually start until noon. I've learned that from morning to noon is is like my time. That's just really my time to get creative and do everything I need to do before I start serving. And then noon onward is usually spent in client calls. And in terms of like how client calls look, I have a three-step process that I walk every single client through. And then this three-step process is usually done over three months. Sometimes two months, it it just depends. But for me, every single person who walks through my doors, so to speak, needs to first and foremost have a level of self-awareness that is incredible. And then after that, we strategize around what they're looking for in their dating life. And we start talking about how to actually break down their dating behavior into a science that makes sense. And then from there, how to actually select a partner who is going to fit their lifestyle and their values. So on any given day, the conversation is rooted in one of those three things. Oh, I love it. And I love how you talked about starting your day off with whatever you like to do creatively. Cause I'm, I'm the same way. That's why we scheduled this at, at noon on Thrive Thursdays, because typically in the morning, that's, that's me time and getting creative with either blogging or scheduling my podcasts and figuring out what I want to talk about and things like that. And I think that's so backwards compared to how normal society and how we've been trained to like wake up and just start rushing around like a, a worker bee and just bend over backwards for everything else in life. And the reason I'm bringing this up is have you seen this bleed over into relationships and also like what is that like for, for other people? Because obviously you, we live different lifestyles, but you're probably coaching a lot of people that live that lifestyle of hustle and bustle. Like what kind of conflicts does that, does that cause in their relationships? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, I mean, hopefully now society's recognizing how twisted things were before quarantine, because like you said, like people are worker bees. Like we wake up and you're immediately asked to start giving your energy away. Give it away to a crappy inbox filled with colleagues who are acting just as, you know, mindlessly as you are because you're you're you don't have your freedom. You're stressed out all day long at this job and then you come home and you don't really feel like showing up fully for your partner. And unfortunately, that person gets the leftovers. And not only that, but I think like being in a relationship today requires a lot more willpower because there's distractions everywhere. Like you could be watching a movie with your partner and like your phone dings three times, or you could be like making love with your partner and your phone dings several times. So like you really have to place more conscious effort on showing up fully for the other person because of all the distractions. You also have to define boundaries a bit more specifically than you did just a decade ago. Because now when you talk about like loyalty, well, what does loyalty mean? Does loyalty mean that you don't flirt with other people on Instagram? What does flirting even look like anymore? Where are the boundaries? How do you draw them? There's a lot more conversations that have to happen and a lot more details that have to be exchanged in order to make sure that you're showing up. But in terms of like day to day, I do think that it is really easy to take your partner for granted and to just not really put in the effort because of everything else that's going on on the outside. I, lo- I love that. It's setting boundaries. And again, I think it goes back to the expectations because for one case, Aaron and I are terrible at texting. Like the only arguments I swear we get into most of the time happen through text because I'm a very direct person. Um, and in person, like the direct and passionate side, you can, you can easily feel and you know that like, I'm, I just love what I'm talking about, what I'm doing and versus like through text, I'll read her in, in one way and then be very direct. And then it leads down this whole rabbit hole of like texting back and forth. And I think if we're in, in the, like if I was in the single world thinking back, like that was my biggest struggle was understanding how to communicate with people in the right way. And that only gets tougher, obviously, in quarantine, where you can't even meet up with somebody to like, hey, we had this argument. Can we meet up and like talk through it? That's just not a thing anymore. Um, And then if you're obviously, if you're in quarantine and you have a significant other, there's like no escape to go talk to a friend and cool down and and come back and communicate. So it's very, very interesting. And so you've been through the quarantine, obviously spinning up a few ideas and helping those that and serving those that potentially are struggling right now, if they're single and are looking to quote unquote mingle, what are some of the things you're working on that have been obviously helping those in the dating space? I, the first thing I did when we went into quarantine was I created a Facebook group. I already had it, but I basically just changed the direction of it before it was a Facebook group to update people about events that I had in the community. Obviously we're not doing events anymore. So I turned it into a digital community and it's been really, really cool. Like this is a community filled with conscious single people, mostly in the Austin area. We have some people out of state, but it's mostly in the Austin area. And the conversation is strictly dating and relationships. So those are all the topics that you'll find inside. 
And that's been really cool. I mean, I've already heard of several people who have gone on dates because of the group. And that makes me really happy because this is different than a dating app. First of all, everyone in there is personally vetted because I either know them in person or they've been invited by someone inside the group. So they're not just like random people. There are specific questions that they have to answer before getting into the group, which is also you know different than just signing up for an app and putting up a profile. And there's a lot more accountability because if you mistreat someone in the group, I'm going to know about it. So it's almost like the difference between that and a dating app is like the community is just a lot more centered and it's held account. You're held accountable for your actions. So that just naturally makes people more considerate with each other and mindful. And that was really the idea behind which it was created. So I'm really happy that we're upkeeping that. And then aside of that, I've created memberships, which are inspired by my programs. They're a bit more self-directed. So my clients are kind of expected to hold themselves accountable a bit more than a regular program, but it's great practice for them. And it works for me because I don't feel like I'm undervaluing myself. I'm selling these at a much lower price point than I would my regular programs, but it feels really good and really aligned because they're just completely different offerings and they make sense for the times. So those are two things that I've been really happy with. Yeah, and it's been awesome to watch you adapt and and thrive through through all this. Who is I hate the word perfect, but who <laughs> would be a great candidate to to join this group? So anybody that's listening out there can kind of maybe see if this would be something for them. You talked about the vetting process. What does that look like? I have three to five questions that I ask when you enter the group. Basically, I want to know your intention of joining. And I also want to know like what you're struggling with nowadays with dating, just because those two questions give me a lot of information about someone. And by the way, this group is called Down to Mingle Digitally. So Down to Mingle Digitally. And it's perfect for anyone who's in the Austin area who's single, anywhere between the ages of 21, all the way up to honestly like 53. <laughs> So we have a really wide range of ages inside, but anywhere within that age range and who first and foremost wants to date with intention. So you want to date, not necessarily to end up in, you know, a long-term commitment right away. However, you, you're clear on the fact that you want to date people whose values align with your own and you're ready to take your time and get to know each person and deviate from the madness with which has become the norm in the dating world. So you're ready to deviate from the mindless swiping and the broadcasting a message to 20 different people and then just treating people like they're something that you're shopping for on Amazon Prime. If you're tired of that, then you're probably perfect for this group because this is about slowing down, acting consciously, appreciating and acknowledging every single person that you come across, regardless of whether it ends up being a romantic relationship or not. And you just have some extra time to have good conversation about relationships because contribution is really important. So everyone in the group is always offering up books, topics, or things they've learned about dating and relationships. So it's important to contribute and support each other. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And typically, if you're intentional about what you're trying to do going forward and going into this group, you come a lot more intentional with your own actions. And I think that's what you're helping people kind of 
see in spotlight is when you're just constantly swiping right. Cause I remember like when I was single, Tinder just came out. Like that was the only thing. So all these other ones you're talking about, like I've never even seen, I don't know what they look like. And I just remember, see, I'm 29 now. So I was like 21 or 22 and they started making you pay for swipes. And as soon as that happened, I was like, I ain't doing this anymore because I was literally was just mindlessly swiping. Right. Because I just didn't care. I wasn't intentional about like, who the heck do I even want to date? It was more so like, who's just going to say hello to me. And it's such an egotistical thing. And I think it's ingrained in all of us. You, you initially get on these platforms and you want that attention. And I love how you're, you're, tackling that with just being intentional with yourself. And even those questions that you ask them cause people to take a step back and be like, who am I? And why am I joining this thing? Because what am I going to provide this group when I get inside of it? And rather than a lot of people are thinking, what can I take from the group? What can I get? And you're kind of spurring this community in dating, which I think is lacking of what can I bring not only to like the opposite sex, but then other maybe males in there or females so it's super awesome to hear that. And I, I know you're going to crush it, but as we get towards wrapping up, I'd love to understand a little bit more about, obviously you're crushing it in the, in the virtual space and then helping your own clients. What are your hopes and dreams beyond just being this relationship and dating coach? I know that you probably have something in your head where it's just like a moonshot goal is like what I call it, but what do you foresee this blossoming into in your future? Definitely. So like I shared in the very beginning, when I first started working with people, part of the quote unquote rocky road was figuring out how to take someone from point A to point B. And you'll experience this as a life coach, as a dating coach, as honestly any kind of coach. But for me, I was like, how do I take this person who's really tired of dating, who's maybe even been divorced, who has a lot of walls up, and how do I take them from that to like opening up their heart again, getting them on dates and actually getting them comfortable again with being vulnerable with another human being. And add on top of all that, another human being that I'm not working with. (laughs) So they have to, you know, go out and meet that person and I'm just helping them. So learning how to facilitate that transformation and being able to break that down into three steps was monumental for me. Because it just gave me a way to very easily demonstrate to people, this is how I'm going to help you. We're going to go through step one, step two, step three. And that resonates a lot, especially with people who are very logical and pragmatic. And for people who aren't and are more like emotional and, you know, feely, it still really, really works well for them because part of their challenge is that because they're allowing themselves to always be led by their emotions, that's why their love life hasn't really been straightforward. So it works really well for both categories of people and really all categories of people. So in any case, my vision is I eventually want to coach other coaches on walking people through that same three-step process. And so like higher vision would look like me hiring other coaches, showing them exactly the transformation that I walk clients through, and then coaching them on how to walk clients through that same process. And then beyond that, I would also love to help other dating coaches who are branding themselves learn how to avoid all the mistakes, learn how to brand themselves first and foremost, but also save time from learning from all the mistakes that I had to go through. Because I don't know, I think I read this this morning. It was like Tony Robbins talks about condensing decades into days. 
Yeah. And yeah. I love that. So like, that's what I would really love to do for other dating coaches, because I think it can be really, really confusing when you're first coming out, especially if you plan to help men and women. Branding can be such a mind fuck. Like knowing what colors you want to use for your brand, knowing what language to use. It can be really confusing. And it took me like a hot minute to figure it out and a lot of mistakes and a lot of frustration. So I, I would love to help other dating coaches avoid that entire rocky road and kind of just start with a lot more clarity than I did when I began. Yeah. And uh, turn decades into days. I've heard that. I use it. I'm a big four-hour workweek guy. It's all about leveraging other people and resources and tools to be more efficient so you can be more creative and obviously grow the vision that that you see. And I think you're going you're gonna to master that rather quickly. And the, the cool thing is what I always relate to is judge people not by their answers, but by their questions. So a lot of the things that you have learned over this time of trial and error is the right questions to ask not only yourself, but the other people around you, whether it's the dating and the groups and all those things, asking the right questions to vet. And that's really where having your own coach or a mentor and you being able to give that to other people saves them so much time because when we don't have experience, like we don't know the right questions to ask and really the right questions, we can search the answers on Google, but if we don't know the questions, um, we're just going to be running around and then you can set them off to go. Obviously they're going to get, go through their own trials and errors, but you just have all the questions that you need to help people. And one of my questions is because through what you were just speaking of, is when you when you're coaching somebody and then they have a significant other have you have you seen that cause any conflict within relationships where like the one person has a dating coach and then the other person's kind of like well why do you have this coach has that happened yet not really i've been very fortunate that the people i work with they have very supportive partners who are really excited about them having a coach that being said though naturally when you are spending a lot more time on yourself and you're becoming a lot more aware, you start to hold the other person to higher standards. That's just, that's just a consequence of becoming more mindful and more conscious yourself. And so you no longer tolerate projecting as much or gaslighting or things that before might've slipped under the radar. Now that you have vocabulary to describe it, you no longer tolerate it. So it's not that it necessarily upsets the other person, but now you're holding them to a higher standard so they're having to make some adjustments. So that's the only point of friction that I can really see in terms of working with one person in the partnership. That's amazing because you're basically helping people level up. And if the other person doesn't necessarily level up or, or catch up, um, that person might not actually be right for that person. And you're kind of progressing people to find the people that are right for them. Going right back to the questions I was just asking. So it seems like what you do for a lot of your clients is they're having these actions happen within their life. And then they come to you and you're like, Oh, that's kind of like this. Right. And then they have like this aha moment. And then now they are like, wow, like now I understand. And that other person, when they go back is forced to either level up and have an understanding and be supportive or not. And that's so, so valuable because if people eventually do get to marriage, you have to support your significant other, even if it's not something like in your wheelhouse. So for me, one of the, like Aaron was a dancer growing up and I can, I can have a couple of tequila shots and, and dance like nobody's business late at night, but you take me to a hip hop dance class and I'm completely out of my element. I'm like 
this, this weightlifter soccer player, not loose at all. But one of the things that I've learned to do over the years is be supportive of those goals. And that has caused me to like reduce my ego and be like, wow, like I need to show up in these other ways where she's showing up for me, hanging out with the guys. I need to do the opposite thing. And I think it stems from what you just said, essentially, with your clients, which is, was really enlightening for me. And I'm thankful there's people out there like yourself that are helping not the lost souls, but like the generation of us that has uh, had to deal with some mishaps on social media and Tinder and Hinge and I guess all the other ones that are out there now. But we're going to start wrapping up and I'm going to wrap with my final question of what does the next year look like? So you have your clients right now and obviously we have the quarantine, but what is something that you're like really, really looking forward to maybe over summer or to end this year, kind of ran through what you're up to and what your long-term goals are, but what is really firing you up right now in this very moment outside of just coaching your clients? Hmm. Outside of just coaching my clients. That's funny because one of my girlfriends and I were talking the other day and we were like, what do we actually enjoy outside of growth and business? And and it was like pretty hard for us to come up with something because that's really where most of my energy goes every day. But I started slacklining recently. Like I did it one time and the guy I'm dating actually bought slacklines recently. Like he wants to do it himself. And it was all just, it was very interesting. We were like walking on the boardwalk and then we ran into these slackliners and over the water. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome. Yeah. And so like, I'm, we're still like newly dating. So we're still in that, like, I want to impress you phase. (laughs) (laughs) That phase. I don't think ever ends if you do it. right. (laughs) Hopefully that never ends. I think it shifts from, I want to impress you to, I want to keep you impressed. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's a quote right there. So whoever's our, our team, if you're listening to that one, please, please note that one. Sorry, Elsa, go ahead. (laughs) So he wanted to try it. And I went ahead and like sat down while he was trying it. And then I had these like battling forces in my head. One was like, what makes you think that you can't do it? You know, like, why did you automatically just sit down and and say that you'll watch him do it? Like, why can't, why can't you try it? And then I was like, well, I don't want to look silly, this and that. Finally, I, someone asked me if I wanted to try and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk my talk. So I got on and surprisingly, I was actually not bad. Like I was able to like hold my balance pretty long. And that was really cool. And I love the exercise of it because you have to focus on a vocal point and it just forces you to be extremely present. And I don't think there's a lot of activities like that, especially if you're like in a competitive sport, you are present, but when you're slacklining, you're almost like competing with yourself. Like how, how long can I keep myself focused so that I don't fall off this thing? And that was really cool. So I think I'm going to be getting more into that. I, that's so good. It's, it's like, it's almost like forced flow state because yes, exactly. if, if you don't get into flow state in that moment, like you're going to hurt yourself. And I, I watched exactly. the guys go over the water and I've tried it one time and I've, I really want to get into it too. Honestly, I just, I never, I haven't ran into anybody like around me that where I was like, you know what? I have a half an hour. So I might have to hit you up and come learn a thing or two um, because it's definitely something of interest to me in terms of, I love the balance and mobility aspect of it. I see these guys doing flips and stuff off of it. And I just imagine myself tying 
uh, a slack line in between two palm trees in the beach one day in like Hawaii and, and hanging out for a year or two. So I love that. And I just want to say thank you before we kind of wrap up here for, for hopping on here today and all the wisdom that you've been preaching. I, I know that the audience got a lot from this episode, especially if you're in the single realm right now, or even if you're dating somebody, there's something you can take. But where can people find you at and connect with you if they want to? Yeah. So my Instagram at Elsa Morick, E-L-S-A-M-O-R-E-C-K. I am very active on Instagram. My website is just my name.com. So elsamorick.com. And then if they want to join the Facebook community, you can just search down to mingle on Facebook and you'll find us there. Awesome. And my typical last question for anybody that's a business owner is if someone's listening and they might be on the fence of whether they're the right type of client for you, what would you say to them to kind of get them to, to reach out to you? Like, what is your, what is your typical client asking themselves and what do they look like? What's your target market? Totally. So I serve both men and women and the age range is anywhere between 21 all the way up to like, again, 53, 54, 55. I would say that if you're asking yourself whether working with a dating coach is right for you or not, ask yourself, how have my results been in my love life so far? Am I noticing a pattern? And if so, how successful have I been at breaking that pattern? Be real with yourself. If, if you notice a pattern and you keep running into the same dead ends, it might be a really good idea to hire someone who will help you avoid those mistakes in the future. I mean, we hire personal trainers to help us get in shape. This is the same concept, but it's for your love life. So as long as you're someone who is into personal development and is open to receiving honest feedback and is ready to change drastically the results that you've been getting, then you're the right fit. Awesome. So if you heard that and any of that matches with you, 100% reach out to Elsa either on Instagram or at a website. She's the real deal. Um, I can vouch for that. And I just want to say thank you again for hopping on. And then yeah. also um, going back to your words, intention. One of the things that I wanted to leave the listeners here with today is remembering that we're doing a lot of Zoom calls and we're on Instagram a lot. Facebook and all these other things, just remember that behind that screen is another human being. They have the same feelings as you do. They hurt like you do. They're anxious. They're scared at times, just like you are. Always remember that before you go and and say anything um, or do anything. And especially in the dating world, uh, whether you're a male or a female, remember there's consequences to your actions. So think about that. And again, Elsa, thank you so much for hopping on. This is the Thrive On Life podcast with CJ Finley. Until next time, y'all. Right on.